0: One of the elders here, we are so excited that you've decided to come and spend your Sunday morning with us. Uh, If this is your first time here, make sure to let somebody know that this is your first time here. In the seat backs in front of you, you should see a card. If you want to fill one of those cards out, drop them off at the welcome desk. We'd love to get you some info about our church. Um, let's just dive right into the announcements because the golf videos were bad enough, especially the ones there at the end. So what we have coming up June twenty or June 19th through the 23rd, we have our day camp. This is for kids ages 5 to 11. Parents, if you want to get rid of your children for an entire week, this is a great opportunity to do that. Uh, it's uh, You can go to capcity.info, register. There are still some registrations open, so please make sure to do that uh, today. Uh, Today, directly after both services, we have our Getting Started 201. This is just kind of a Q&A session where if you have questions about what it means to further your life with Christ, what it means to be a part of Cap City, why is there a Ben, why is there a Doc, why is there a Steve, why is there anyone that stands on stage and talks to you, you can ask all kinds of those questions. So make sure to head over to our Connections Room right after uh, this service or second service uh, and ask away. Now, Wednesday night, uh, we are officially in summer. So, uh, those of you that have graduated or just out of school, congratulations, you did it. Parents, sorry, you have to take care of your kids this summer. So, uh, stinks to be you. Um, But it is summer. Uh, so that being said, Wednesday nights look a little bit different uh, for adult um, uh, uh, growth. We have our online study. It's going to be on our Facebook page starting at 630. Where Doc and Ben. will kind of lead you into a follow-up of whatever's talked about on Sunday morning. They'll kind of do a deep dive, so make sure you check out that. Uh, students, we're still going to have in-person student. Uh, you're going to be over uh, with Brad over at the uh, Student Worship Center, so you can be over there at 630 on Wednesdays. So uh, today we are continuing our staycation series. This is week two. This is Holy Sunday. So hopefully you got uh, some donut holes and got to play a little bit of golf. Any golfers in the room? Several of you. So I love golf. I love playing in golf scrambles, invitationals, tournaments. I love watching golf. I am what many would call not very good at golf. Um, it just It's just the way it is. Um, and, and because of that, there are certain aspects of the game of golf in which I am very good at, one of which is called Army Golf, where you hit from the left side of the fairway to the right side of the fairway, left, right, left, right. That's Army Golf. I'm great at that. Uh, I'm also good at what you call Saddam Hussein Golf, where you go from one bunker to the other bunker. That's—that's that's, I'm really good at that. Uh, I'm good at the Stevie Wonder, uh, which is after you hit, everybody looks and goes, Never saw it. You know, that's the Stevie Wonder. My father-in-law, I played with uh, he and my brother-in-law this weekend. My father-in-law has a golf shot called the son-in-law. He says it's not what you hope for, but it'll have to do. I don't know why he calls it that. Um, But we do have that. So uh, when I hit these bad shots, sometimes I just need a mulligan, right? Now, uh, if you're not a golfer, you don't know what a mulligan is. A mulligan is basically just another chance, right? It's another shot at golf. Now, when we played with my brother-in-law and father-in-law this weekend, they did not like to offer me very many mulligans, and I tried to explain to them that they were not being very holy uh, because you should be able to offer as many mulligans as you want. And, and I said, it's directly in the Bible. And they said, there is not golf advice in the Bible. I said, nay, nay, Matthew 18, when asked, Jesus, how many mulligans do you give? Do you give seven of them over the course of a game? He goes, no, no, no you give 70 times 70. You give as many mulligans as is needed, right? And I'm so glad that we serve a God that is the king of mulligans. He gives us so many chances. He is so faithful even when we're not. That's what we're going to dive in today. So let's stand up. Let's sing a song about being holy.
1: for me Okay yeah.
2: with Him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with Him. But if we deny Him, He will deny us. And if we are unfaithful, He remains faithful because He cannot deny who He is. Whoa. our sins to him. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for today and allowing us to come together and worship you. We thank you for your faithfulness and allowing us to know that even in our darkest night and our hardest fight, you are there and we can take heart because we know you are steady. Thank you. In
3: Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we've been doing a a sermon series here where we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And as we've been uh, walking through and kind of looking at the different fruit, there's been some themes that have kind of Pulled out and have just been consistent. So, so if you haven't been able to hear all of them, if maybe this is new for you, uh, here's some big ideas that we found. The first one is this: God has a really high standard. That's been one of the big ideas that we've been able to pull out. God has a really high standard. He has really high expectations for us, and He wants these fruit, these fruit that are characteristics of who He is. They're they're common to His nature. They're just a part of who He is. He wants those things to overflow and flow out of our lives as well. So when the Holy Spirit comes into us, he wants it to just be this overflow out of us as well, the same kinds of things he is He wants for us. But he has a high standard. He expects it to happen at a high, high percentage, like 100% kind of a percentage, right? Which has also revealed to us that we're not really good enough, that we kind of fall short, that in fact we don't really have much of a hope in having any of these fruit truly in our lives unless we are tapped into the Holy Spirit. That anything else is just kind of a facade. Anything else is just kind of some sort of counterfeit version. But the only way that we can really truly have these fruit displayed in our life is if we are active with the Holy Spirit. Now, now God has a really, really high standard. But I think we would probably be fairly comfortable if the standard were a little bit lower. If we could... If we could bring the the standard down a little bit, I think we'd feel much more comfortable about all of these things, okay? So we have stuff like this. Like God has this 100% standard for love, and that's really high. I think that if you knew someone who was 90% loving, you would think that they were probably very loving, right? And God has that same standard for peace or or, or joy, that we have 100% joy. But but that if you knew someone who was 90% joyful, you would think that they were pretty joyful, God has that standard of 100% peace. We think if you're 90% peaceful, then you're mostly peaceful. God has that expectation of 100% patience. We think that if someone was 90% patient, that would be actually pretty impressive, right? God has that standard for kindness and goodness. We talked about this last week. God has that 100% expectation. We think That if you knew someone, right, if you knew someone who was 90% kind, they would be a wonderful person, right? And if they were 90% good, then they're probably better than most. And there's gentleness. God has that standard, 100% gentleness. If you knew someone who was 90% gentle, that sounds like a really sweet mother, doesn't it? Like 90% gentle. And self-control, if... You know, God has that 100% standard, but if you knew someone who is 90% self-controlled, you would probably call them very disciplined, right? We have these differences in standards, these differences of expectations, and God has that top level 100%. He expects these things to be flowing out of our lives, and we kind of diminish it down. We would be satisfied with just a good grade, not 100%. However, I think there's one fruit where that's different. I think there's one thing within God where that's a little bit different, okay, where we actually agree with him. God has a 100% expectation when it comes to faithfulness. And I think we agree. I think faithfulness is the one thing that if you're 90% faithful, there's something wrong, right? There's, there's a sense in which if, if you were a wife and your husband told you that he was 90% faithful to you, would that cut it? Would that meet the expectation? No, no, no. There's, a, there's 100% expectation for us, isn't there? If you're an employer and you had an employee who was 90% faithful to you, would that be good enough? Like if he showed up nine out of 10 days, you would fire him, right? It's not good enough. If he stole from you only sometimes, <laughs> that wouldn't be good enough, right? We have this same. This is one of those areas where we actually kind of get it. This is one of those areas where we would actually agree with God on this, that faithfulness doesn't feel like that scale, like you could be 90% faithful and that's good. It doesn't feel the same. Faithfulness feels more like that pass-fail situation. Either you have it or you don't. And the bad news is we don't. We don't have it. We've asked a few times throughout this series, what if God didn't have this? We've asked about several of these characteristics, several of these fruits, as we've gone through this series, what if God wasn't a faithful God? What if this wasn't a part of who he was? What if God wasn't a faithful God? What if he was a God of broken promises? What if his words weren't trustworthy? What if he constantly changed expectations for us? I mean, plainly put, if if God isn't a faithful God, then it probably means I don't trust him. And if you apply that to any other relationship, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a friend, whether it's your boss, or whether it's an employee, whatever that may look like, what if if they weren't faithful? What if they always broke the promises? What if they weren't trustworthy? What if they were constantly changing their expectations? Those are probably relationships that you would want to get out of, aren't they? There's a sense here as we look at faithfulness, faithfulness is something that fortifies trust. It builds trust. The more faithful, every opportunity you have to prove yourself faithful is an opportunity to build trust with whoever it is you're proving your faithfulness with, right? And it compounds over time. Each time you prove yourself faithful, it builds on to the next time, and the next time, and it just kind of builds up and builds up and builds up, right? And that's what we see with God. When we look at our God, we see a God who is faithful. It's one of his core characteristics. It's everywhere throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's foundational to who he is. And there's a big fancy word for it. I wouldn't know it, but Doc does. So Doc taught, taught, taught it to me, and then now like this is the puppet moment where he's speaking through me, okay? And so there's this word, immutable, which is probably not a word that you use very often in your everyday conversations, but immutable. It just simply means that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is consistent he's unchanging he's faithful and that's significant that's important for us because as you walk through scripture and as we talk about faithfulness you can't begin with where we ought to be you have to start with where god is and who he is in his faithfulness and as we begin to catch a glimpse of what it is that he is to us it starts kind of putting these implications of what that means for us into our lives like this have you ever wondered about your own salvation have you ever had that moment? Maybe you've come into a relationship with Jesus and you've made a decision to believe, but over time you've, you've started to question and you wonder if Jesus was really actually good enough for you or that maybe you've done too much wrong and you can't be forgiven. It, you know, your your tally is too high. Have you ever felt that way? And that's okay because Scripture scre- uh, speaks to that. There, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 where we're told that the God is faithful for salvation, that what he says is actually trustworthy. He upholds his end of the bargain. So when we worry about whether or not I can actually be cleansed by this God, that I could actually be forgiven, no, it's solid. He's already got it, that we can actually be saved through him. He's faithful to it. And then sometimes, you know, even after we come into a relationship with Jesus, we live in a world that's broken and things are messed up, right? And so we live in a world with temptation. First Corinthians speaks to that. That's okay too, because God says that he will be faithful to us to deliver us from temptation. He's faithful, he's consistent, he keeps showing up. That he never stops showing up. In fact, that says that he won't allow us to ever be tempted beyond what we can respond to, what we can handle. He's faithful to us. The unfortunate thing is sometimes we don't handle that temptation well. Even though he's faithful, we aren't always faithful, are we? And sometimes we give in to temptation, but you know what, that's okay too. Because 1 John 1, verse 9, we read it just a second ago. He's faithful to forgive our sins. He's faithful. He's consistent. He's faithful for our sins before we ever knew him. And once we come into a relationship with him, he continues to be faithful. He continues to forgive us in our sins, even long after we should know better and we should have grown up. He's still there, faithful to forgive. And this world just keeps getting harder. And the world just keeps going against us. It's broken. It's messed up. And no matter what happens in life, it seems like there's always just something wrong. There's always something going against you. There's always something bringing you down. And that's okay, too. Because in 1 Peter 4, we're told that God is faithful to deliver us through our sufferings. And he's faithful. That no matter what we come up against, he continues to be faithful. Sometimes life gets so hard. Sometimes uh, sometimes people get in such a spot where they don't really even have any hope in this world. Their only hope is what's to come afterwards. You ever been there? And in those moments when it feels like we're just clinging on to something that's out there, not really sure if it's real, not really sure if it's solid, Hebrews speaks to that. It says that God is faithful to fulfill our hope of eternal life. He's faithful. Like every single issue, every single tension, every single point of conflict that you may interact with, God has proven himself faithful. Psalm 145, 13 sums it up beautifully. The Lord is faithful to all his promises. It is who he is. It's foundational to who he is. In fact, there's a guy named Jerry Bridges who wrote a book on the fruit of the Spirit that Doc and I have been using for this series, and this is what he says. God's faithfulness appears in precept or illustration on almost every page. Everywhere you open up into the Bible, you will find stories and examples of God's faithfulness everywhere. It's impossible to describe the acts of God without in some way touching upon his faithfulness. It is core, foundational to who he is. And if you look closely, you'll recognize that faithfulness can only exist in points of tension. Faithfulness is actually proven in tension. If there's no conflict, if there's no hard time, if there's no tension, then there's no need for faithfulness. You just go on about your life, right? But when something gets difficult, when something gets hard, and and something has to be decided specifically, usually something that you don't really even want, that's an act of faithfulness. And if God is faithful in those points of tension, and he calls us to be faithful, then we have a tall order in front of us, don't we? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 says this. Many a man claims to have unfailing love. Many people brag about who it is that they love. They brag about their unending love, that they're going to love someone forever, that they're always going to be there for them, that they're going to be able to take care of them and help them, that they're committed, all those kinds of things. But then the very next line, but a faithful man who can find. See, there's a lot of people who speak, but there's not a lot of people who do. Have you experienced that in your life? There's a lot of people who claim to love, but there's very few who can actually prove to be faithful because the virtue of faithfulness is often costly. And few people are willing to pay that price. Faithfulness is proven intention. But if we're going to be followers of Jesus, if we're going to have the Holy Spirit work in our lives, and if the desire of the Holy Spirit is that it would build and develop faithfulness in us, then we have to accept the reality that this is an expectation. Expectation. This is one of those things that God is now putting before us as well, to be a follower of his, to to live as Jesus lived means that we take faithfulness seriously regardless what it might cost. So practically speaking, what are some things that we can do to become more faithful? What does faithfulness look like? There's several different paths we could take at this point, but I want to highlight three, okay? There's three things that I think if you draw your attention to them and get serious about them, you'll have an opportunity to grow in your faithfulness. And we're gonna talk today about honesty, dependability, and loyalty. If you know someone that you would call faithful, I would guess that they like grayed out very high in these areas. Honesty, dependability, and loyalty. Let's talk about honesty first. Absolute honesty in speech, And in personal affairs has to be the hallmark of a faithful person. It's required. You cannot be dishonest and also be faithful. They're contradictory. And so your speech and how you live, it all of a sudden really, really matters. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 says this, The Lord detests lying lips. Sometimes when you read the Bible, you should pause and ask why. Why is a good question. Why does God hate lying lips? It's because it's not who he is he speaks truth. Only truth comes from him. So whenever a lie is spoken, it's the opposite of who he is. It's in conflict with who he is. He can't tolerate it. He can't stand it. It's opposite of who he is. He hates it. He hates lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. Then when people speak truth, he takes great joy in that because it looks like him. It's our opportunity to imitate our Father and to live like He does. On the flip side, the person who's dishonest is unfaithful with their words and with their actions. And when you're unfaithful with your words, your words lose value over time, don't they? You see, just as we can say that faithfulness fortifies trust, just as we can say that honesty will fortify and build up trust, when you're dishonest, you know that it it disintegrates it that it dissolves that trust. And it doesn't take as much lying as it does, as it does truth or honesty in order to, to, to dissipate, does it? It takes a long time to build trust. You can lose trust very quickly and very easily. And there's lots of ways that we lie. Lots of ways that we lie. If you're a student, maybe you've cheated on a test. Maybe you've plagiarized on a paper. For adults, maybe you've failed to report all of your income on your taxes. Maybe... Maybe you withhold information in business deals. You don't disclose everything that you know that would maybe not be to the advantage of of the other side. And I think that a lot of times, lies are just really simple and small. I actually became really convicted about this recently. As I was reading and studying for this, I, I read a story and it reminded me of something that I do. In fact, I've done it for so long that I hadn't even paid attention to the fact that I do it, okay? And I can tell you the first time it happened. I remember the very first time I ever did this. I was walking through a Sam's Club and there was a little uh, table set up with a display for direct TV and a salesman. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. And as I'm walking by it, the salesman says, hey, can I have a minute of your time to talk to you about direct TV? And I would love, I would so love to take credit for my answer. Like I had sat and thought long and hard about what I would do in this moment, but I didn't, it just came out. And then I realized the brilliance of it later. (laughs) Okay. But they asked, can I have a minute of time? And I just very quickly said, no, I already have it. And he was stunned. You know that a salesman can't sell you something you already own? It was like the perfect answer. It was beautiful. The problem is I don't own direct TV. Like I didn't have it. I didn't have it, but I learned it made him silent. Like he had zero response to it. Okay, like it, it just stunned him and I just walked on my way and it saved me time. And it saved him time. It was beautiful. I've employed this strategy ever since. I do it all the time. The problem is, it is it's a lie, right? And it's not a big deal. I've never seen that man again the rest of my life. It's, it's no big issue within our relationship, <laughs> like we're fine. And it saved him time, it saved his vocal cords because he didn't have to talk to me, so it was good for him. It was good for me because I was able to walk away quickly, it saved me time, and if he had talked me into buying it, it would have created problems in my marriage, all right? And so it was good for me too. Like it's just beneficial all the way around. You know what the problem with it was? My wife was with me, and she heard me lie. And my kids were with me, and they heard me lie to someone confidently, comfortably. And it dissolves trust, doesn't it? It makes the people that I love the most actually start to wonder whether or not I'm worth trusting. You see, it's the minutia of life where honesty begins. If you can't be careful to be honest in the little things, how are you gonna be honest in the bigger things? It's a big deal. And so there's some things that we can do. There's some things that we can do better. If we wanna get better at being honest, it's gonna start with God. And I think it looks like this. If you're gonna be honest with God, you need to start by owning your own sins. I think sometimes when we talk to God, we downplay who we are and our sin, and we kind of make it smaller so that we don't feel so bad about ourselves and we want to we try to present ourselves as something better than we are, which is silly to me because God knows is one. The other one is that he's, he knows and that he's also done the work to fix it either way. Like why would you lie to God about the depravity of who you are when he already knows and he's already done the work to fix it? It just doesn't make sense to me, but we do it, I do it. Own your sin. What would it look like for you to be honest with God, to just be plainly honest and tell him directly who you are? And then on the flip side of that, practice worship. It's the same thing, just the other side of the coin. Basically what we're doing here is we're going to say we're going to see myself accurately and I want to see God accurately. Sometimes we, sometimes we diminish who God is and we try to inflate ourselves and try to close that gap. That's not honest. Let's see ourselves for who we really are. Let's see God for who he really is. Let's celebrate who he is at the best possible version of himself. And if we want to be honest with others, here's some things we can do. Let's start by owning the small things. Those little simple lies when it doesn't matter. Start telling the truth there. If it doesn't matter, you might as well tell the truth, right? Start with those little small things. Own them and be honest when it doesn't matter, right? And then when we speak the truth, when we say something that's truthful, we say it with love. One of the things we've been talking about in the series is that these fruits of the Spirit are not individual fruits. They grow in clusters, and so if your truth, if you think you're being faithful by saying true things, but they aren't done with love, that's not the fruit of the Spirit, that's the fruit of you. You have to be honest with people, but in the Spirit of God says that it's going to come with love. And there's a difference, all right? Now, when we're going to talk about faithfulness, honesty is a component, but so is dependability. And I think this is really interesting to us. We've been talking a lot lately around here about being an ultimate counterculture, That as the culture around us continues to shift the way that it is, that we need to be kind of this outpost of truth of God in this world, and we want to be different. And one of the ways that I think we could do this in a very simple, practical way that would stand out like a sore thumb in this world would be dependability. There seems to be like this motto within our culture today that that we'll keep our commitments only if it's convenient. Do you recognize that? Have you seen that? And sometimes I think it's just an outflat refusal to even make any sort of commitment. Here's a rowdy. When we talk about dependability, dependability is something that you owe other people, right? But it's bigger than that. It's more important than that. There's a connection to God. There's this time when Jesus is teaching to a crowd and they ask him what's most important. And he says, the most important thing you can do is love God and love others. But the reality is this, as, as Jesus kind of unpacks it, you can't possibly prove to the world that you love God without loving others. They're connected. They're not individual separate things. They're connected. You cannot possibly show the world that you are dependable to God if you are not dependable to others it's connected you cannot be faithful to God if you are not being faithful to others it's not just a social obligation it's a spiritual obligation and faithfulness fortifies trust dependability fortifies trust when we have a lack of dependability it destroys that trust and there's lots of ways that we fail with this as well it could be as simple as this. You might be like a 15-year-old teen girl who's a babysitter and you said you're going to babysit for someone but then your boyfriend asks you to the football game on Friday night and so you back out last minute and leave him in a lurch. That's not being dependable. It's pretty simple. Not a huge deal, right? At least for you. The opposite end of that would be the businessman who's, who's made those handshake deals or, or has made commitments with his words but then he backs out. And there's lots of ways in between compared to this, this is from Psalm chapter 15. Verse one says this, Lord, who can dwell in your sanctuary? Who can live on your holy hill? God, who has the right to inhabit the same space you inhabit? Who has the right to be in the same places that you are, God? And then he gives a list of all these different answers, but among them, this is from verse four, he who keeps his oath even when it hurts. The kinds of people who are like God, who are in a place with God, are the kinds of people who do God kinds of things. And God has kept his oath to us. He is faithful to us even when it hurts. Can you you think of anything from Scripture that would make you think that it has hurt God to be faithful to us? That's what he does. And yet, when we want to be faithful, this is the target. If it doesn't hurt, then it's not really being faithful. Again, that's that tension point. It's that conflict point. Here's some ways that we can be more dependable. If you want to be more dependable to God, let's start with this. How about you start responding to the Holy Spirit? Have you ever felt those nudges before? Have you ever had those moments where you felt like God wanted you to say something or do something or go somewhere and then you did what we all do, which was like, suppress. (laughs) I'm gonna pretend like I just didn't feel that or I didn't hear that, I didn't believe that, right? That's what we do. Have You ever felt that? What would it look like if we actually responded to the leading of the Holy Spirit? What would it look like if God knew that you were dependable, that if he used in his Holy Spirit to nudge you, you would respond as he led you? How cool would that be? How cool would it be if you've ever done that? If you've ever had one of those weird moments where you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I feel like I should be doing this. Afterwards, you had excitement and an incredible story to tell. How cool would our life be if we just started by responding to the Holy Spirit? How cool would it be if God knew that he could nudge us more because when he did, we would respond? How neat would that be? And then this, practice spiritual disciplines. How cool would it be if God knew that every day you were going to spend time talking to him, that you were dependable, he knew you were going to show up? How great would it be if he knew that every day you were going to sit and look and read his words and allow him to speak to you in and, and whatever it may be, whatever is on his heart that he wants to communicate, that you would allow yourself to go and to be in his presence and to receive something from him? How neat would it be if God knew that every day he was going to get a chance to influence you and nudge you? It'd be powerful. Can you imagine a church of people who were faithful in that kind of a way? And what could happen? And there's lots of ways that we can grow in our dependability to others as well. If you start with this, why don't you just view your words as being expensive? And I think if you do that one of two things, or maybe both are going to happen, maybe you'll stop talking so much. You'll start keeping your words to yourself. You'll start letting out promises or commitments to things because you recognize that what you say matters and has value to it. And so maybe you'll be a little bit more guarded and protected. Or maybe you'll care more about when you do speak and the commitments and the things that you do say to people and you'll be willing to fulfill them because it's expensive. You're not gonna throw them around anywhere. So when you say it, you're gonna follow through and you're gonna do it. And then this, cancel canceling. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about plans. Now, I'll be honest with you. If I had dinner plans with you like on a Friday night and you canceled last minute, I will not be upset. I will be happy to spend an evening in my home, (laughs) all right? So like I love canceled plans, all right? Canceled plans are among my favorite kinds of plans, okay? But I'll tell you that to be a follower of Jesus, to be someone who's going to be dependable, to be someone who's faithful, we can't be the cancelers. If we're going to be serious about what it looks like to be dependable, it means that we can't even have canceling as an option for ourselves. When we say something, we do it. When we say we're going to show up, we're going to do it. Because it's this piece of faithfulness. We can't be faithful without being dependable. And we have to show up. Finally, this loyalty. If you're to look up loyalty in the dictionary, you're going to see something about consistent support. It's that dependable allegiance to a friend. Proverbs 27 puts it this way. It says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Have you ever had a friend like that? You ever had someone who when adversity showed up, they stepped deeper in, they actually leaned in. They came along even closer to help you through it. If you've ever experienced that, they're still your friend, aren't they? You hold on tight to someone who's like that. You don't let them go, do you? The opposite of that is that unloyal person It's someone whose whose commitments are constantly shifting. Their allegiances are constantly shifting. They're disloyal. They're unloyal, which isn't a word, but it's fun to say. It's unfaithfulness. There's lots of ways that we fail this. It's it's that fair-weathered friend. It's the person who, and and you know who they are. You probably know their name. It's that person who bounces around within your friend group. If someone has a problem, they kind of bail, and they'll go hang out with everybody else, but they're not going to hang out with you anymore. They they just kind of avoid the conflict altogether. The opposite of that is the friend who's always agreeable. So they'll be there. They'll always show up, but they're not going to draw any attention to anything that's wrong. They're just going to go with the flow. They're going to actually withhold truth because they want to be the friend so bad that they aren't going to speak the truth. That's not loyalty either. That's disloyalty. It's unloyalty. Because loyalty faithfully speaks the truth, as we said earlier, in love. Love. There's lots of ways that we can do this. If you want to improve your loyalty to God, let's start with this. Stop flirting with Him. It's a fun way of thinking about it, isn't it? I've been in church my whole life, and there's a lot of people who flirt with God. They just kind of string Him along. They show up every Sunday morning to make sure that God remembers that they exist, and they just kind of keep Him at the end of the line. They don't really have any interest in having a real relationship with God, but they want God to know that they're there just in case they need Him. If you want to be loyal, let's start by having real relationships. It means you're going to have to step up when it comes to your relationship with God. Actually pursue a real relationship with Him. And it starts by pursuing the fruits of the Spirit. What's interesting to me is as we talk about faithfulness today, it's hard to go get faithfulness. It's kind of an ambiguous kind of a thing, right? But as we said before, they're all clustered together. And so when we talk about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control, and then we're also talking about humility and hope, If you pursue those things, faithfulness is going to show up. It just comes along in tow. You don't even have to pursue faithfulness. You pursue those things, and faithfulness is just along for the ride. It's going to be there. If you want to improve your loyalty to God, start trying to pursue the fruits of the Spirit. Let the Spirit actually get within you and start doing some work. And if you want to improve your loyalty with others, it's some of the same stuff. Stop flirting. And I'm not talking romantically. I'm talking about within your friendships. Do you just keep everyone at an arm's length? Or is everyone to you just an acquaintance and you don't let anyone else in? That's not loyal. Pursue real relationships. Be the kind of friend that you want someone to be for you. When times get hard, do you step in or do you step away? Stop flirting. Get in a real relationship with people. And then see this. See tension as an opportunity. And this is a weird one. It's not necessarily something that's natural to us or what we want, but you know intuitively that this is true. If you've been married for a long time, you know that your marriage now is probably stronger than it was when you first got married. And a significant contributor to that has been all the conflict and tension. <laughs> it's been all those points in, of issue that you've had within that relationship. When you work through them, when you resolve them, it actually builds a stronger, deeper relationship. You know this. So be that kind of a friend. When tension comes up, when conflict comes up, when something hard in life takes place, don't see that as an opportunity to, to withdraw or leave. See, as an opportunity to lean in. Not because it's fun, it's not, it's inconvenient. But it's who our God is to us. How wonderful is it that our God has been loyal to us? That when sin took place in the very beginning, he didn't just back away, but he leaned in. That's who we want to be. We've kind of Zoomed in tight and close, talking about faithfulness. Let's pull back out. and I want you to take away these four big ideas, okay? As we look at ways in which you can take some steps towards faithfulness just in general, let's start with this. Acknowledge the biblical standard. God calls us to 100%. He calls us to be faithful. We can't get there. We're going to fail. We're going to talk about that just in a moment, but acknowledge the biblical standard. Second, evaluate with the Holy Spirit and a trusted friend. There's a verse here. From Psalm 139, that says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What an incredible prayer. If you could go to God and say to him, see if there's any, anything in me that shouldn't be there. Is there any offensive way in me? And ask him. And then, and then don't be surprised if when you pray that prayer that the Holy Spirit uses a trusted friend, A spouse, a close friend, someone to come and speak truth to you in love, to bring about some truth within you. Are you actually honest? Are you dependable even when it's costly? Do you stick by a friend in great difficulty? And then third, ask for grace and forgiveness. We know the biblical standard. We know we're not good at it. Why would we pretend we aren't? Be honest. Practice honesty by asking for grace and forgiveness. When you've offended someone, ask for their forgiveness. Step in and, and, and own it. It's a, it actually builds faithfulness. It bends depend, uh, builds dependability and loyalty. When we speak the truth honestly, I'm grateful that our God is faithful. I'm grateful, as we said earlier, that he's a God of do-overs, of mulligans. I'm grateful for the scripture we looked through that tells us that God is faithful to forgive us, that he's faithful in his mercy. He doesn't quit. He doesn't stop. He doesn't back off. And that's who we need to be. And it starts by being honest with who we are. And then remember this. This has been true for all of the things we've looked at with you through the Spirit. We have to partner. The Holy Spirit can't do this alone, and you can't do this alone. It's not something you can accomplish on your own just by trying, and if and if you just pass it off to the Holy Spirit, he's not gonna get very far without your efforts either. It's a partnership, it's, it's working together, it's recognizing the Holy Spirit's gonna do some heavy lifting, but I have to participate in this all, together. Finally this, why do I care? Have you ever been in that tight spot where you needed a friend who came alongside? Truth is, faithfulness is only proven through tension. It's only proven through that conflict. But on the opposite side of it, on the back side of it, you have a stronger, deeper friendship. You have a stronger, deeper bond than you would have had before. I want you to think about this. This is a true characteristic of who God is. He doesn't step away when things get hard. He actually presses in. That, when, that he has actually like lost things on our behalf. Like He sacrificed his son to make things right with us because he's faithful to us. So when the Holy Spirit begins working in us, he's going to call us to be faithful. The reason we care is because we want a friend like that. We want a God like that. And if he's calling us to follow him, then we're going to be faithful to those around us. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us as we step back into worship. God, I am grateful for how faithful you are to us. God, it is overwhelming to think of how much you have overcome and yet you continue to be honest and dependable and loyal to us. And it doesn't make sense to me, God. I don't get why you love us so much, but I'm grateful and I'm thankful. God, help us to be a people who desire to be faithful just as you are. Help us to be the kind of friend that we wish we had. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.
1: are the same God.
4: You are the same. your Holy Spirit to come into this room but also come into our hearts. It's so much more important, Father, that we are able to individually come before you and ask you for a measure of your Spirit to allow that to do the work within us that we can't do. We have a part to play. We know we have to do something and we're calling upon your Spirit to do its work so that we can be holy for you, so that we can be set apart for you, so that we can be faithful to this vision that you have for this world, to reach it, to win it for you. Father, I am just clinging tightly to the promises that you've made to me because you have been so faithful. I've watched you do it over and over again. God, I just ask that you will be able to open the, the hearts of every person that's here right now to let them remember what it is that you have done. And Maybe they're just struggling in this place right now. They're just, they're sitting in their seats and they're wondering how they're going to be able to handle whatever it is that's on them right now. And God, let them say those words. God, I need you. I'm standing on your promises. You are faithful. And because of that, I will be faithful. Father, let that be what we say together. You are faithful, so we will be faithful. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. You guys, you can stand for just a few seconds. We're going to go to the communion tables right now. But I want to be mindful of what it is that I just said. He's been faithful to you, and I want us to be faithful to him as well. bring those back up buddy i'm going to tell them exactly what they need to do here in a few moments so so as you go to the tables you're going to be able to take the communion together you'll be able to take communion and and the, the juice and the bread these are emblems of what jesus christ has done for us the sacrifice and so when we think about that think about his body and think about his blood if uh, this place is your home and you want to give an offering, these are some boxes that are each at the tables that you can give your offering. And if you have something beyond your offering that you want to give to people in need in this communion and in this community, there's a white bucket at each of the stations well, as well. I want to be thinking uh, beyond what you typically think about when it comes to communion. He's been faithful to you. You guys agree with that? You can answer if you want. If he's been faithful to you, be faithful right now when it comes to remembering what he's done. Be faithful when it comes to your offering. Be faithful when it comes to worship. Be faithful when it comes to serving. Be faithful in all of those things. And watch to see what God does. If you're struggling, give it over to him in these moments that you have, all right? Meditate on those things as you go to the table right now.
0: just a couple more things we'll let you get out of here Um, if you came on Mother's Day you should have picked up one of the baby bottles that's a baby bottle blessing that we do every year that goes to help our friends over at avenues for women Next Sunday is the due date for those if you want to bring those baby bottles back uh, and and hopefully they have some money in them. That's the whole goal of this as a fundraiser for them. If you didn't get a bottle, that's okay. They'll take Coke bottles, beer bottles, bourbon bottles, whatever kind of bottle you got. As long as it has money in it, they would love to to take that from you. Uh, Again, thank you so much uh, for coming. Don't forget we've got our Getting Started 201 class over in the Connections Room. Make sure to stop by that. Otherwise, get out.
1: the words from the back row like they're talking to me so maybe i should write this down they're all saying the same thing some song that i can't sing i think i just don't know how everything is moving too fast i'm worried it won't last i guess i'm just slow to trust too many dry bones in my past you offered a free pass i put my defenses up you said I was loved, your grace is enough, so I tried to run away Too many mistakes and things I could break, but don't think I should stay But then I say, no, don't ever let me go I think if I don't have you, then I'm bound to lose control And my mind is rewinding all of the lines and the times and things that you let me Love your grace is enough So I tried to run away Too many mistakes and things I could break But don't think I should stay But then I say No, don't ever let me go I think if I don't have you Then I'm bound to lose control And my mind is rewinding